Some women impersonate Sex in the City's Carrie Bradshaw with vast closets full of fantastic clothing. Even Sarah Jessica Parker pretends to be Carrie Bradshaw when she walks the red carpet. However, there is one woman in New York City who, if he knew her, would have been Darren Starr's real muse. Let me introduce you to Susan S. Warner, the adorable petite blonde who at 59 lost her handsome, extraordinary husband to cancer six months after her wonderful 32-year-old son died by suicide. It's now four years later. After the most challenging days and nights, Susan decided to live her best life possible. And just like that, Susan was suddenly single. Carrie may have Susan beat on exposure, but Susan has Carrie beat on life's experiences. Listen in. In the last five years, Susan Warner has personally changed in ways she never imagined. She has often said she would go back to her old life in a minute, but that's not going to happen. She's had to build a new one. With that has come personal and professional growth, a whole new attitude. It is going to be very interesting to learn how Susan perceives her life now and what she sees in a rare hindsight. We can't avoid change. Susan, is growth inevitable with loss? My knee-jerk reaction would be yes, but in thought, the answer is no. I only think growth happens if you encourage it and you want it and you feel the pain and you look through that dark hole to sunshine. So I don't think that change is inevitable unless you're open to change. It's almost like, do you see signs of someone you love who's died if you're not open to seeing signs? No. So I think that change only happens when you open up your heart and you open up your mind to receive change. I don't think it's inevitable. I think there are people that stay where they are. And for them, that probably works. It certainly didn't work for me. I like that answer because it gives everybody an insight into themselves. So thank you mm -hmm. for that. You need How to look deep. You need to dig. Yes. Mm -hmm. How has your attitude changed toward family and friends? I have more space now more brain space maybe more heart space for family and friends because there was a void left when i experienced my loss so i am definitely a better friend i think and i believe if you asked my friends that they would tell you i'm a better friend i'm more involved i'm more um, up to the minute i listen better i have more patience i know that people struggle now more than i knew it before I see clearer now other people's problems because I do, <laughs> because my vision is clearer. And as far as my family goes, um, I love them dearly. My love is not altered at all, but I've had a better view of where everybody fits. And I've said this before, once you find out where your place is in this big old universe with your friends and your family, you're much more content and satisfied. So once I found my place and I did a little dance, a little cha-cha, and understood where I belonged in my relationships, family and friends, I found a greater contentment. And that took insight and time and work, self-work. So that begs the question from people that are transitioning some way, somehow, like mm -hmm. how did you discover that? You know, And are you 
okay with what you found? That's a great question. How did I discover it? Through some pain. You know, I was always so intent on doing what was right and not what was right for me. So in doing what was right in friendships and family relationships, sometimes it hurt. And after I went through the process and felt the pain or felt the discomfort, I learned what wasn't right. I remember getting home from a particular social event um, a year after Michael died and realizing that my place wasn't in that group anymore. It just, I, I didn't belong there. And it was a little painful. I mean, and, and for me, but, but I was more comfortable bringing it to the surface and not being tortured in the situation, but understanding that that's not my jam anymore. And, and I, we, I spent one Mother's Day with my family, my very close family, and it, it was painful for me. I need to be a mother solo on Mother's Day in my own world, in my own cocoon. And watching another mother was painful to me. So even though I thought that might be right, it wasn't right for me. So I went through the pain and came out the other side saying, okay, I know not to do that anymore. So it was really trial and error and being self-aware. Knowing if you're down or blue, why? Ask yourself, why am I blue? Well, I'm blue because watching the relationship with another family on Mother's Day isn't good for me. I need to be in my own situation, be grateful for my own things. And then I learned, so this is how I'm going to handle it from now on. Or the conversation or the comfortability in a particular social situation, I don't fit in there anymore. So I need to not do that. It's not healthy for me. And this probably makes them uncomfortable too. So it was trial and error and, and some discomfort. And then diving into the discomfort and the, and the blueness and the depression, if you want to call it, and saying, why do I feel this way? Don't just wallow in it. And once you do that and you come up with the answer, you rise past it. And you feel better. Oh, much better. Answers always make me feel better. Being proactive always makes me feel better. So if I'm going to feel some way, like I was anxious the other day, and I said, okay, you're feeling anxiety. Now let's, let's figure out why. So I realized what the pieces were and how I could solve what I could solve or put away what I could put away, and it went away. I'm mm -hmm. that person. Mm -hmm. let's, let's bring it up. You know, it, it hurts. Let's bring it up. Let's put it on paper. Let's dissect it. And let's see what we can do to make it better. Proactivity makes me feel better. So that group that you mentioned that, you know, you were with socially mm -hmm. and you decided not mm -hmm. to be with them anymore. I mean, did, mm -hmm. didn't any of them, like, you know, reach out to you to make sure you stayed in the group? No, individually, it works. It was just as, as a group, it didn't work. Individually, everything's great. But as a group, it, it was just not, there was a piece missing. It, it just didn't, it didn't um, mix up well together. You know, I, I really felt like the odd man out. It, it just was uncomfortable. And it wasn't that any, uh, any of anybody was, was not nice or good or kind or lovely or loving. It just as a, as a totality didn't work. So I realized that. And, and it sort of fell back because individually everything's fine. Right. So it was just, you know, managing I feel, it. Yeah. Just, I feel that way about a lot of things too. You know, so that's interesting. Right. I find it, I find it very interesting that you said that because that's a great solution. I see people separately, but as a group, I don't want, I just don't want to be right. involved with Right. And, and, you know, sometimes when you're in it as a couple, particularly, um, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to make things change. Static is good. I've reached a point in my life where static isn't good. 
change is good. Change is my mantra, you know, and not not to be a chameleon and not to do a 180 so my friends and family don't recognize me, but to be a better version of me. I want to be the best version of me I can. Mm-hmm. That's what this journey is about for me. So has your attitude changed towards family and friends? No. No, I love them. I love them. But it's just, it's kind of redistributed in some cases or or reimagined itself. I've gotten closer to some people, further from others. Um, just a, an ebb and flow, but uh, an ebb and flow that's real and authentic because it's, because I'm on, I'm on me. And it's funny now, you know, with Arthur, um, and a reintroduction, you know, that's been an ebb and flow and, and everybody getting comfortable has made it so much better for him, for me, for us, for my relationships. So right. that's good too. That's good too. It's time. It's, um, realizing that, that instead of backing off and saying, you know, I'm not going to bring anybody into this mix because it's going to make them feel uncomfortable or make me feel uncomfortable. It's like, it's like here world, here I am. This is who I am. This is where we are. Please accept us. Yeah. And that's working better. It is. Mm -hmm. There's a new comfortability that's working nicely. And your family feels the same way. Yes. Yes, they do. I mean, I've even, they've even verbalized it. Yeah. Do they take the lead from you? They take the lead from you, right? They want you happy. Probably. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm, I was so walking on eggshells and I wanted everyone to, to be happy and I didn't want to hurt anybody. And yeah, so my fault, my bad. I needed to probably be a little bit more assertive, a little bit more here world, here I am. And Mm -hmm. that's hard too. So that's the growth is, you know, (laughs) liken it to, you know, all those like sex therapists and say, you know, you need to tell your partner what you like and everybody, no one wants to do that. Right. But it's the same thing in life. You need to tell those people out there what works for you, what's good for you, what makes you happy. And then they'll accept that. Everybody takes cues from everybody else. Right. And I think that once I put that out there, um, it made everybody else more comfortable when I was kind of waiting for it in return opposite. And that was silly. I needed to put, it was my bad. I needed to put it out there. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's made things better and more comfortable. Yes. So now everybody finds their place. Right. Now I'm very curious to know how has your attitude changed to life, to life goals? I think I've softened in that I want to be happy. I want to be good. I want to love. I want to be loved. They're pretty, they're pretty simple. They're much more simple, I think, than they were in the past where, you know, it was about sometimes about acquisition, sometimes about, you know, keeping up with societal norms, you know, like everybody's child was getting married like my children should get married or everybody was buying a second home in Florida maybe I should buy you know I'm not there anymore I need to do what's best for me but I want to be good I want to be known for being good I want to be happy I want to be loved I want to love it's really become much more simple much more simple that's a and great I think answer. I live by that. That's a great answer because with all is said and done, I think a lot of people come to that conclusion, but some keep people, it takes much longer to get to that. So Yeah, you know, I've often discussed with my friends, do you become a better person when you've endured? Mm-hmm. Because you know what pain is, you know what's important. And I, I think the answer is yes, I do. But 
I don't wish that on anybody. You know, it's not like, wow, endure so that you can really understand what life's about. But in my case, where it's been pretty profound, I think that it's made me a better person. I do. Um, I, I'm also a more curious person. I'm more, I think I'm more interesting. I've let my um, interests bleed out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I do, I do. You know, when, when, when you're in a long-term relationship marriage, marriage, and you get to know what your spouse likes and doesn't like, and, and you kind of pull back the things that maybe, you know, they don't like. But I've now asserted myself. So if I want to go to the Guggenheim, if someone doesn't want to go with me, I just go. Mm-hmm. If I want to see a play, I have no problem going to Broadway by myself or a movie or an art exhibit or anything. So mm-hmm. it's made me um, a more interesting person. Also, there's a little bit more time on my hands. I read ferociously. And I'm very involved in politics and political issues. And I think I've become, I had a greater curiosity that has made me more interesting. I do. And, and I'm proud of that. Well, that's something that's wonderful. You know, uh, you know it's a, um, a whole new life. And, mm-hmm. you know, so everything is not bleak and dark. I mean, you've, nope. built, you've built a whole new wonderful world for yourself. So uh, I think with moments that are challenging. I always yeah. want to put that in there. With mo- it's not all unicorns and lollipops. There mm-hmm. are moments that are challenging. And, you know, we'll discuss that maybe in the next podcast. But, mm-hmm. yes, yes, all in all. You know, it's funny. I have referenced I walk my dog every morning. And sometimes we're up for two hours. I meet my friends. And Arthur said to me the other day, I think you do it for you. And I do. I do. I get on that street in the cold or the warm and I go to the river and I plan my week. I plan, you know, out, I strategize what I need to do. And I think it is for me. And that starts me off every day in a routine that is clearing and good. And I think it's those routines and, and, and getting up knowing that it's a whole new day. You get, you get a whole new day and every day, piled on each other is a nice long life and I want to live that long life. I wish that for you too. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Thank you. So what did you want? You kind of answered this already. What did you want before that you no longer care about? Uh, yeah, I think I did. I think I was um, a little bit more caught up in the the socioeconomic norms of my, you know, my contemporaries and my demographic. I think that that may be I've never been that, I don't think that person terribly caught up in that, but more so, more so, where now I feel somewhat like a unicorn, that it's got to be, I do what's right for me. You know, I've traveled to Europe four or five times since the end of the pandemic or, mm-hmm. and during the pandemic when we could travel, because that's important to me. So I do kind of, you know, it sounds harsh what I want, when I want, with whom I want, but it's kind of true you know, within parameters, of course, mm-hmm. but it's more, you know, we were in um, Europe with my family over um, Christmas and we had been in Paris this year. And I said, you know, I want to go back to Paris for two days. Just had this hankering and it was on the way. So I did, we did. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have done that before. I think that's a new me that, that does those things. And I like that. I do. I like that a lot. So I think that I'm caught up less in, what's dictated or I think is dictated or what are norms into what's good for me and what I want to do without hurting anybody or being reckless. That's not what I mean, but doing the things that make me happy and make other people happy and 
and less with what is expected or what is prescribed. I think I'm more my own person. So conversely, what do you want today that you never cared about before? I, I don't think there's anything that I want. I think I always wanted to be good. I think I always wanted to be curious. I think I always wanted to be um, benevolent, be loved, love. I think I always wanted that. I just think sometimes I lost sight of patience and what's good for someone else may not be good for me. And, and I think I lost a little bit of sight into being I'm much less judgmental, much less judgmental. And I think that makes me a better person too. Mm-hmm. I think I was more so before. So I don't think there's anything. I think what I wanted, what I want now is just magnified now. It was there, but it wasn't necessarily primary. And I think now it's primary. Good way to put those it. That, those things, yeah. I mean, I don't think the core of me has changed. I think who I am, I am. But I think the ancillary parts, I like better. I think they grew big. They grew. And I love the fact of being my age and growing and, and knowing that there are new experiences and new mind processes and new things to do out there that are exciting and um, challenging. And I don't know that I was looking to be challenged as much prior to this change in my life. That's a great way to put it. So when you compare yourself to other women, married, never married, divorced, and single, what conclusions do you draw? I will thank my daughter, Elizabeth, for a line that I use constantly, that we're the luckiest unlucky people you know. And I think that really is true. When I compare myself to other women, which isn't, I, I don't, I really kind of um, bristle at compare because one should never do that. Right. I think how lucky, I think how lucky I am. And I swear to you, that's the truth. That's amazing. You know, so explain that. My love for my husband of 40 years of a relationship that I think was aspirational was more than most people get in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. My son, 32 years of the biggest personality, more love, more care. You know, yes, he had demons, but uh, he's such a good guy, more than most people get. Um, I've been fortunate to be able to move forward, to find people that really love me, a man who really loves me people who love me, friends who are so devoted to me. I just had a birthday and my friends and family made it so special that I'm so sick of me. Mm -hmm. I'm just so over me. But they all went out of their way to make this so special for me. That's a lucky girl, let me tell you. My daughter, my son-in-law who, I mean, talk about the luckiest mom in the world. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I am. I really believe that. And... When I compare myself to other people, every, I now realize in my better vision that everybody's got their stuff. Everybody's got their stuff. And I didn't see that so much when I was so involved in my own. So mm-hmm. I can't complain, Lois. I can't. I can't complain. Yes, I've endured. Do I wish this on anybody? No. Oh, but right. I know in the recesses of my heart that there's somebody else who has it worse. And, 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 it, and it, it's, uh, you know, I've always said, it's, you know, life is about endurance. Okay, I, I, please stop testing me. I'm done. Yeah, please. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's no guarantee on that either. But um, I'm lucky. I, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm a lucky woman. You I'm have said woman. many times that you don't want to repeat the relationship you had with Michael. What kind of relationship do you want now? 
Okay, I'm going to jump in there a second um, because my therapist said to me a couple weeks ago, which was absolutely mind-blowing to me, is you've all said that, Susan, but maybe you don't want the same relationship because you're not the same person. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, wow, that's something right. to mm-hmm. chew on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure it's true. I, I need to, you know, chew on that a whole lot more. But um, I think I think that... I need to be me and I need my time and and my independence not clipped completely. I'm a really good girlfriend. I'm a I I I am good. I'm a good person, I think. But I need alone time. Because I've developed this relationship with me that I don't want to lose. So, in a relationship now, I'm not willing right now to do the 24-7, 365. Mm-hmm. Will I ever be, and I've said this over and over, title of the book, never say never, never say always, in, mm-hmm. in two years, five years, ten years, will I want to? Could be. Right now, I need to be able to dance alone to my music as well as dance with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I need both components. And if you want to be with me and you think it's worth it and you get enough from me, I'm one of those people that loves from the inside out, not the outside in. Mm-hmm. If you understand that, it's um, I, I'm not I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily in your face. I love you. I love you, but you know from me because it's from the inside out. Mm-hmm. It's never transactional love. I don't give transactional love. I give love because I want to because it makes me feel good. So I think I'm 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 good at loving. So if you can if you can harness all that. And, and be satisfied with what I can give right now with, with probably having a little PTSD, probably a little bit of a wall there, and you're willing to go the journey with me, which I think is probably worth it, then I want my freedom and my relationship. And that's maybe unfair and maybe it's not. Do you ever think to yourself what Michael would have done in your new relationship all the time. I can't believe you're asking me that. I laugh sometimes and I think, wow, Michael, could you date? Could you um, do the small talk? Could you? I mean, he was so personable and so charming. And, and so, you know, my, his greatest attribute, which, is, which I see so intently in my son-in-law that I adore is he was so confident yet so humble, which I see in Patrick as I adored in Michael which makes me so happy for my daughter because I think mm-hmm. it's one of the greatest things that anybody can possess. Um, I laugh and think, what would you be doing in this life? Like, would you find someone? Would you, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Michael always said from the time we were young married, I have to go first. I could never live without you. Verbally wow. out front, out there, always for 30 years, my pet name, which I always say, but never mention what it is, my pet name, because he never called me Susan. I, I have to go first. And it could be in jest. It could be in seriousness. It could be anything. And he meant it. So I don't know. I don't know. I have not solved that, Lois. I don't know where Michael would be if the tables were turned. I don't know. Why do you think he said that to you? Because I think he meant it. Because I think he felt completed by me I think that we were we were a good team we were a good team and I think that he felt that I completed him 
And I, you know, my dad was this person that once my mom died, it was the one love of his life. And he never really, I don't think really looked to love again. He had a companion who was wonderful, but never replaced my mother. Mm-hmm. I think that Michael thought the same way that, that <laughs> it sounds so, it sounds so boorish of me, but I think he thought that that fit was not going to ever happen for him again. And nor did he want it to. I you think, like the scenario the way it was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, but it, it is a question that it plagues me. And I think about it all the time. Sometimes it really makes me laugh or giggle. I, it really does. Um, but I haven't solved it. So one day we'll go back to that question if I think I have solved it, but I haven't. Right. Oh, it's going to be difficult to solve. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think so, too. Oh, whatever you think, that will be the solution. That Did is the answer, ever, isn't yeah. it? Did you ever consciously think about the changes you wanted to make in your life before you started dating? I mean, did no. you sit around thinking, like, this is who I want to be, or next no. time I'm going to do this or that? No, the only funny thing I said is maybe next time he'll have a private plane. That was, that was literally it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I did not. Um, I never imagined anyone. I never um, fantasized about anybody in particular. You know, as I told in my story, Elizabeth, my daughter, pushed me into dating. Um, right through the first year, there was no way, no way, no how. Um, I couldn't do it. And I never understood why people couldn't, why they couldn't go to parties, why they couldn't go to weddings or bar mitzvahs or celebrations. No way, no how. I right. just didn't have it in me. It made me nauseated. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth pushed me into it. Um, I like to date. I like um, meeting new people. I like that interaction. So it, it wasn't torturous. And then it was organic. Then it happened organically. You know, as, as my story is told, I was introduced to two people. I've had you know, I had a first relationship and I'm in the second now. That's very satisfying. And um, it, it was organic for me. So I was very fortunate in that. And I did not hate the dating process. I didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, but I had no preconceived notion, no fantasy, no thoughts. You know, I've explained that Michael was extraordinarily handsome and, right. and, and good, good, better from the inside than the outside. So when you have that in your life, there's, I never thought to think past that, you know, I never thought that that was going to be challenged. So no, I had no preconceived notions. No. What, what are the changes you want to make about yourself in the future? Hmm. I want to continue to make a difference. You know, I've been really fortunate that my podcast and my writings have reached people and the morning of my birthday this week, I woke up to an incredible text from a woman I don't know, explained to me that her husband was a suicide and her son is distraught and that she listens to my podcast and they're really helping her. I want to make a difference and I want to make a difference with my story and recovery and with people in attitude. Um, I want to love, I want to be loved. I look forward to my family expanding. I look forward to bigger relationships with my friends and my family. I just want to be happy and be loved and make a difference. That's not a just. That's a big deal. I shouldn't mm-hmm. minimize it by I just. But those are my goals, and those are the things I wanted. I want to finish this book. I want this book to be successful. I want people to read it. So I want to talk about it. I want to make a difference. I want to help people. Yeah. How scary is it to make these changes? They're so gradual and organic that I often don't know the change is until after it's occurred. So they're not 
conscious. I don't, you know, have a list of, well, I want to be less judgmental and I want to be a better friend. They've, they've happened organically to use that word again. It, that's why they then, stick. That's why they stick. Yes, exactly. And that's why they get bigger and they grow bigger because they are well rooted in that soil of me. And I only see them as they evolve and usually over time. So I don't have any specific um, changes that I want to make. Look, I, I, there's, there's a few things in my personality that I want to make better. You know, those are kind of personal and I'll work on those and I'll tell you about them when I do. Right. But overall, overall, um, I guess there were things that I subconsciously always wanted to work on that I've been working on. And it's with the help of a therapist and, and a lot of introspection and a lot of self-discovery. And, and a, a lot, lot of time of by breath. yourself to think about it. Yes. Yep. Yes. A lot of time by myself. Those walks by the river. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You kind of mentioned this before, but I'll ask, I'll ask you again because I want to focus on it for just a second. What do you say to women and men who don't want to change? If they're happy and healthy, and I mean healthy mentally, not just physically, good for you. If this works for you, great. I don't see it as a path that's healthy personally, but again, that's judgmental. Mm-hmm. I think that growth is good for everybody. So if you get to a point in your life um, when you're in your 50s or 60s and, and either work is diminished or you're retired or you're not working as much anymore, I think exploring other things is a really healthy path, whether that's um, hobbies or culture or or reading or uh, community service. I think everybody needs a path to grow. And when you don't have that path, you you get a little stuck. But that's a personal choice of mine and no judgment on anybody else. If you are happy and, and you're happy with who you are and how your life is going, good for you. Stay there. That works for you. I'm all for whatever makes you happy that is, you know, constructive and productive. I don't have any judgment on people changing. My change was, you know, kind of forced in a situation. Would I have been unhappy with myself if I didn't? Probably not. I'm probably not that insightful. But because oh, it's I don't in my think face so. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> okay. I know you would have no patience. You want you want to explore, you want to move forward. It's not even not, it's not even the words move forward. You want new opportunities and see new things all the time. So I don't But think more so, Lois, honestly, you know, you know me post right. right. Honestly, I'm more that curious person. I've more explored that curiosity post loss. I, I will admit I that. find I that very difficult to believe. <laughs> I swear. I Maybe swear. you were in a situation where it was comfortable and you didn't do it, but I, I just can't believe it. And I also believe uh that if Michael was alive, that maybe as you got older, you would be doing some of the things that you're doing. Because I think with age, I mean, you read too much, you're around too many people for it not to happen. I don't know. We maybe, may not be maybe. talking about the same thing, but I don't, no, no, see no. You, I don't see you saying the same. I think that, you know, if the kids were out of the house, they were settled, whatever it was, you would mm-hmm. be, you would be moving in new directions. Maybe, maybe. I, you know, I didn't have that opportunity, and I because you can never imagine what you can't, you've never seen. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where, you know, I've always said we thought we were going to hold hands into the sunset. I don't know what the sunset would have been. I right. don't. Mm-hmm. So I do know, and I've said this before, you know, with David's death, we grew closer, not further apart. So 
there was a codependency, and I say that in a positive way, that was beautiful, you know, he was my best friend. Right. And um, maybe, maybe, but I didn't have that opportunity, so I, I can only imagine I can't project, mm-hmm. and I know what this change brought. So, you know, to be an optimist, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's interesting I, you, say, you say that because you had such a good marriage that <clears> – <throat> even getting over it is even more difficult than somebody that didn't have such a good marriage that they would say, okay, now it's time for me to, you know, be happy because I don't have this, you know, uh, baggage that I have to worry about anymore. You had, I mean, everything was good. You were happy and content Uh with everything Uh that was going on. So can you imagine when the rug gets pulled out from you? I mean, that to me is more scary than... You know, you know, funny, most... funny you say that though, because you and I have been discussing this novel that's gonna that I'm going to address in the book too of a yeah. woman who has a perfect marriage and and the husband dies and then she grieves and she grows and she marries someone new and then the husband comes back. Right. What would you do? What would you do? So I think personally that people who didn't have as good a marriage that weren't as content in their lives have an easier time moving forward. Right. I think, yeah, I think it's those people that probably wouldn't go back and that say, you know, I'm getting a second chance at life. So I I get your point. Yes. Um, But then again, the flip side is, well, I was fortunate enough to have those incredible 40 years. So I need to hold on to that bag, fling it over my shoulder and bring it forward with me and have another good 40. Right. Different, a different, but another good 40. Right. And I'm reaching that point where I can say that now, and that's five years out, that I'm going to sling that bag over my back and and move forward and have a different, another good 40. And then there are marriages that I see all the time where where it wasn't so good, and when it's over, um, I hear the men and the women, you know, uh, they're devastated. And I'm wondering, like, what are they <laughs> devastated about? They bitch and moan their way through it. And now they're complaining <laughs> that they're cheated. You know, so like, what is, you know, so that confuses the hell out of me as well. But, okay, but, and I'm going to add a third component. Wait, there's yeah. a third component. The people that it might not have been perfect and then, you know, canonize the person after they died. So you heard them bitch and moan all those years or, yeah. or, or they weren't happy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this person becomes a saint. And you're like, were you talking about the same person I think you yeah. were? But, well, but you know what? Whatever makes people yeah. sane, mm-hmm. whatever makes you okay works. You know, if you want to make them a saint, that's great if that works for you. If you want to, you know, kick and scream, that works for you great. If you right. want to pick yourself up and keep these people with you and hold them tight and, and plow forward, and that works for you great. Whatever works for you and makes you happy. Uh, happy is the key word here. It's the operative word. Right. You've got to be, you got to look forward to opening your eyes every morning. That's the key point. And whether that's a new relationship or self-actualization or alone time or growth or professional growth, emotional growth, whatever it is, as long as you find a place to open your eyes in the morning and say, it's a, it's a good day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the last question on this topic is, do you notice changes in other folks because you've changed or or even if you didn't change, have people that you've known over the years changed ever since Michael has died? Michael and David. 
you know, some people, I mean, I, I think you mean change towards me or change in totality? I think in change in totality. Ooh, that's so, a tough so, question. So you're, so you're speaking about your self-changes, and we're assuming those changes, right. or, or we're, we're saying that those changes happen because of right. you know, the, the differences you in know, your life. And I'm wondering if you now, because you've changed so much, have noticed that certain people have changed with you. Have they changed with me or is it my perception? Okay. Is it that I'm, is it that I, you know, got the cataract off my eye and I see clearer <laughs> now? Mm-hmm. Is it, yeah, quite a metaphor, right? Right. Or is it that, is it that um, I'm investing the time to understand that I'm a better listener, a better friend? Is it that my vision's clearer? I think it is. So I can only describe my perception of them, and that's probably not fair. Because have people changed? I think you'd have to ask them. I don't think it's fair for me to make that judgment because I, I, I don't differently. Yeah. I'm not asking. I'm not asking in judgment. I'm asking like that. You actually see a maturity in people that they're more open you know, to life in general, or they don't, they don't speak the same way or feel the same way, you know, like five years ago. I, I, you know, I I just feel like. I understand what you're asking. I totally Mm -hmm. understand what you're asking. But again, my subset is their relationship with me. Right. I've changed so much. My circumstances have been so profound that I can only tell you if they've changed with me, not if they've changed overall. So I am not qualified to answer that because I would be judging them. I can tell you that lots of people, I've, got, I've gotten closer to people, I've gotten further from people. Mm-hmm. So some, but it's all my perception. So it's jaded. So it's not fair for me to make that judgment. And that's one of the ways that I hope I've changed. In the past, I might have said, oh, yeah, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, and so, they've definitely changed. Or they're stagnant, they haven't changed. Not my place to say. I don't know how they react with the different variables in their life. I know how they react to me. So I can't make that judgment. So I that would be see, judgmental. Yeah, I know, but I see changes in people, or maybe it's my perception, like the one that complains about her husband constantly, and then when he died, it was like, oh, we used to do this together, and we did that together. I <laughs> look at them like they changed or maybe they just opened up to even if they were complaining about him or her they were now talking about the relationship in total so i got a total perception rather than nagging about one particular thing that they didn't like i don't know if yeah, that makes any sense yeah. to you yeah it does but you, but you only got that because one of them passed away you know, right. you probably, if they were still together, you'd still hear the one side. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, and I realized I that as well when I was hearing that. But, yeah. but I did like hearing. I don't hearing... know if that's change. Yeah. I don't know if that's change or or circumstance. You but know, I, I have, I I have said... to mention that you ca- you hit a bullseye when you said when when people lose a loved one, they, they lo- the loved one becomes a saint. And there uh-huh. might be truth to that because i told you that my daughter once accused me of like complimenting my mother too much right you know after she died and while she was alive you know she heard me complaining about her now what she heard was real but it was never taken in the vein that she summed it up to be 
And that's, right. that's, that doesn't bother me for me. It bothers me for her because she didn't get it. And it's strange that she didn't get it, but she didn't get it. And if my mother right. was alive, I'm pretty sure that my mother would agree with me. She understood right. the dynamics in our both, you know, uh, mm-hmm. type A personalities. So, of course, life was going to go that way. But we were very devoted to each other. And we would, but that's, you know, so you're actually reinforcing what I say. I, she, your daughter wasn't in your relationship. Right. You were in your relationship. So your daughter's perception from the outside was different than what was in your heart. Right. So she, she made a statement that was either hurtful or unfortunate. And it wasn't what you think was your truth. That's why I can't comment, have other people changed because I only see what I see. I don't see the whole picture. I'm not there in their total relationships. So that's a perfect example. I only can perceive what I can perceive. I can't tell you if people have changed because I don't see the whole picture. Your daughter didn't see the whole picture. Right, but it's interesting, my reflection of my mother, and there's a lot of truth to what my daughter says because my reflection of my mother is no longer the everyday annoyances of things that she did that bothered me rather than her that rather than her broad thinking that was very modern and mm-hmm. very uh reflective and very introspective and very mm-hmm. uh you know really thought out thinking about life in general and juggling mm-hmm. the goodness with the struggles and everything and she was very good at that but yeah, every day I was bitching and moaning because she was seeing a Jewish mother that drove me crazy. But right. that didn't stop me from when she said very insightful things, it would go boing, boing. I mean, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. quote her all the time. So I guess somebody who's around me would think, wow, you know, you used to bitch and moan and now. Right. And now, but that all wasn't, of a sudden, that and wasn't now she your became truth. a saint. So, right. I mean, that same thing is very true in some ways. Right. Right, right. And, but again, your truth was that you had an extraordinary relationship with her. But from the outside, if someone saw you only, you know, complain about day to day, would say, well, no, you didn't. Well, you did. So I can't judge someone else's change or right. someone else's evolution because right. I'm right. not the big picture. I'm right. only a, a, a cog in the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't even try to refute it in any way or debate it because I got to right. a point, you talk about change in the world. I got to a point, even with my own family, when I hear them, you know, reminisce about someone, and I don't think that was the case at all, I don't even get into an argument about it. Because I say, if that's, they, if that's how they want to sum it up, let them sum it up. They have to live with it. I'm living with my truth. But that's, and that's growth. That's growth. Being able to adopt that. But it took me a long time to get there. A very long time. It takes a long time to get there. It does. It does. Yeah. My brother grew up in the same household as I did, yet his complete recall is so different than mine, you would never think that we even knew each other. Right. Well, that's the beauty of being human (laughs) and being different, though. Mm -hmm. But, yes. So, yes. Our truths are our truths, and our pictures are our pictures, and our perceptions are our perceptions. But like you, and I think that's why, you know, we're close in a certain way, I feel my reflection is all very positive and very uh, loving in a, in a way that enhances my life. I, mm-hmm. When I hear other people talk, I feel like, oh, that's a reflection of their negative personality. 
maybe it's not. Maybe it's just the day-to-day complaining that, that in the big picture, they actually aren't that person. Like your daughter had a perception that wasn't true for you and your mother. I'm trying to understand what you're saying. <laughs> maybe, maybe what you perceive as negativism in people isn't their big picture. That's the day-to-day humdrum complaining. But in the big picture, they're happier than you perceive and things are more positive than you think they are because you're only seeing a small piece of it. Right. It's, again, you're just a cog in the wheel. You know, you're not the whole wheel. And and that's why you have to see the whole wheel to really understand if people have grown and how they are different and how their attitudes are. Right. My ending to that is I really don't care. <laughs> there you go. I mean, no, no. So when go. I say that, no. So when I say that, everyone who's listening in would say, "Oh, yes, you do." That's why you said that. So I'll, I'll agree. There, there is a bit of Budinsky in me that yes, I, I care. But when I really have to put my head down on the pillow at the end of the night, I just say, "Just do for yourself, and you know, do the right things that you think are right, Correct. and do not be concerned." about how they behave. Oh, you, you use the great word judgmental. I am trying to be mm-hmm. less judgmental. Let people say whatever they have to say and don't beat them to the ground about it because that, that was me. I beat everybody to the ground about but everything. But that's the biggest growth that I have yeah. found is losing the judgment is fantastic. Yeah. Of course, there are people around me that would say, she lost her judgment? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> well, to them, I say, they don't really know. You know, so exactly, absolutely, yeah. and they so, don't know how big it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Susan, th- this has been really terrific. You brought up a lot of topics in in uh, in one particular category that you focus on. But again, I've told you this a million times. A lot of what you say you can apply to other areas of people's lives. You know, whether I hope it's so. the, yeah, yeah. So, I think this is invaluable. So, thank you thank very you. much.